Well, good afternoon and welcome to another live edition of the Star Blades. I'm Steve Jones and I'm joined as usual by James Shield and our esteemed guest for the day, our sports editor, Chris Holt. James, um, game on at last. Yeah, Steve, if you want a pay rise, just ask there's, for one. There's probably more direct we, way. We know, yeah. <laughs> You're not getting one, like. No, <laughs> no yeah. Uh, <laughs> game at last. Game at last, yeah. Uh, well, a championship game. Uh, it's been far too long. It's been uh, faintly ridiculous for Sheffield United through no fault of their own. Paul Hackingbottom yesterday saying that, you know, he, he just couldn't get his head around the fact that, you know, it's been since December the 20th. It's been, uh, it's been sort of, you know, God, you know what? I can't, it's been that long. It's, it's frozen my brain. I can't even do the maths about how many weeks that is, but it's been far too long anyway at this stage of the season to go without a game. I think there'll be ramifications from that uh, from Sheffield United's point of view. And again, through no fault of their own, but yeah, it'll be absolutely wonderful to see uh, to see Sheffield United back in league action. Definitely, uh, no Paul Heckenbottom though, Chris. Uh, obviously, he's self-isolating. Do you think that'll make a massive difference? I, I don't think so. Uh, um, obviously, you wouldn't want him to be missing for too long, but I think they can probably get away with it for for one game anyway. Obviously, um, from what I can gather, they're. They're a pretty tight knit bunch in the coaching in the coaching staff, and they they work very closely together. So it's not as if anything that, um, you know, I, I don't think Stuart McCall and Jack Lester are going to come up with with any outrageous changes just because the cat's away. But and and they will they will be working very closely together, and I'm sure they have been working very closely together over the past week or so since since Paul found out his his positive. Um, is positive test. So no, I don't think it'll it'll make a big difference. He said yesterday that that it'd be working with the analysts to try and keep on top of everything as close to real time as he possibly can. And I'm sure he'll have a he'll have a line uh, to the to the dugout at Pride Park for um, any changes that he feels he would like to see. But um I'm sure Jack Lester and Stuart McCall, I mean certainly Stuart from from his yeah. managerial experience and the and and already the coaching experience that that Jack Lester's has, I don't think that uh, I don't think you have two people who don't exactly know what they're doing leading the leading the team out tomorrow. I was going to say, I think you, you're absolutely right, Chris. I'm not after a pay rise, by the way. I'm not crawling around you. Not being well, asleep, obviously. You're not getting money. You're not getting money. Sleep yeah. early. I know you've already you've already said yeah, but it's, uh, no. I think you're you're right, and you you're right to point out that. I think where Sheffield United have been fortunate in this situation is that the two guys who are going to be taking charge and certainly listening to Paul Ackenbottom speak, when we ask him about how the situation is going to work, it seems as if Stewart is going to be the driver uh, of, of, of things in the technical area tomorrow. I think they're really fortunate that both of them have been managers in the past. And, you know, listen, let's not make sort of, you know, let's not try and sort of get away from the fact Stewart has managed, you know, in possibly the most difficult circumstances that any manager could face themselves in, in, in Britain. And that is in, in, in the hot seat of an old firm football club. So, you know, with the greatest respect to, uh, to Derby County and their fans at Pride Park, where I, I always enjoy going. I don't think anything that is going to be thrown at Stewart tomorrow is, 
he's going to phase him having been Rangers manager and and played for the club before. And I think that experience is going to be vital because certainly they've established sort of very clear lines about how this is going to work. I know Paul has said that, yes, he'll be making some decisions. I'm damn sure those are going to be the key decisions because he is the manager of the football club after all. But the actual in-game decisions, it does seem as if he's going to allow Stuart and Jack to uh, to take those because, as he explained, they're going to be the ones who have actually got a feel for the game. They're actually inside the stadium. They're the ones who uh, are going to be able to see how the players are reacting to certain things, how they're playing, are they tiring, are they getting to that point where they might need to be withdrawn. I was really pleased to hear that because as somebody who gets damn sick of hearing about how statistics run football matches these days. It was nice to hear that Sheffield United have got a got somebody in charge who's actually sort of notices that it's, you know, humans play this game rather than robots and computers. But it was interesting as well because I can remember speaking a couple of uh, years ago to Chris Wilder, of course, Paul Ackingbottom's predecessor, about when he became a manager. And he said one of the things that, really surprised him was how difficult it was to think in the heat of battle uh, and, you know, to actually make decisions when they needed to be made because, you know, you've got a guy across the technical area who might sort of spot a situation developing before you do, make a little switch and that, you know, even sort of, you know, in the space of a minute or two minutes, that could totally change the complexion of a game. So, I think it's going to be really important, as Chris said, that they've got two guys who have actually done this job before in the in the dugout. Just quickly, James, to confirm, will Paul Heckenbottom be back for Preston on Tuesday? Well, he's hoping to be. Uh, I asked him about this and he said he's obviously consulted with Sheffield United's doctors and they've told him that because of the time that he actually tested positive for COVID-19, as long as he returns two negative tests... Uh, ahead of that game at Deepdale on Tuesday, then he should be okay. I think as well, there's, there's another thing that's worth mentioning here. Paul did say, now of course, as we know in the EFL, the testing programme isn't quite as, as stringent as it is in the, in the Premier League. There's reasons for that because I think Premier League clubs can afford to pay for it and things like this don't come cheap. And, you know, if you brought that in across the EFL, I think it would be a, a huge cost pressure on some clubs, certainly in League One and, and League Two. But Paul did say that he'd been volunteering for daily testing and had been undergoing that ever since this second wave of the pandemic happened. And he did make the point that if he hadn't have been doing that daily testing, he may well have not found out that he was actually, you know, he contracted the virus until Tuesday. In which case, I think it would have been probably difficult for him to be in the dugout at Deep Tail, but fingers crossed he'll be there. Yeah. Yeah, touch wood. Uh, Chris, it was obviously Wolves was the first game in a long time last weekend for Sheffield United. 3 0 defeat. Did we learn anything from that? How much can we read into that given I think it was 11 players missing on the day? Um, well, I think I think we, we learned that. Um, Obviously, we already knew that they had been out for so long, and that was the that was the the big thing that came from it, really. Because I actually thought they played reasonably well. They weren't they weren't great by any stretch of the imagination, but they were they created chances that 
Like David McGoldrick missed a, a decent chance. I think Billy missed one or two that maybe on another day or maybe, you know, two or three weeks down the line, he fires in with the ease that Billy Sharp normally does. So I think they just lacked a little bit of sharpness. There was a little bit at the back as well, a bit of hesitancy that, of course, led to, you know, there were two, there were two pretty big mistakes that, that led to two of the goals. So, I mean... As much and I know James agrees with me, we both love the FA Cup, but it's not Sheffield United's big priority this season. And if you're going to have a match in which you make mistakes, then you would much rather it be in there, be be in that competition rather than um, you know missing a few games and then finding yourself a little bit further off the pace because you drop points in the championship whenever you're you know when you're trying to get back into action. So. I think it might have served a decent purpose in in that it shook the cobwebs off a little bit. It got it got them a little bit sharper, and hopefully by tomorrow they'll have, as I say, they've got rid of that kind of ring rust that they may have had last week, and and they're kind of, well, I wouldn't say all guns blazing and firing at all cylinders, but certainly a lot closer to that than than they had been than I'm sure they had been a week or so ago. Yeah, James, are you confident that obviously Derby tomorrow? Um, United can sort of begin to sort of pick up where they left off pre-COVID or pre-COVID outbreaks um, at their would-be opponents? Yeah, why not? Uh, I, listen, this is going to be a tougher game than people think because if you if you look at the amount of points Derby have had deducted from them this season, I don't feel sorry for them because of that because, you know, they were deducted for, for good reason. Uh, but if you look at the amount of points Derby have got deducted and put that on top of what they've got now. I think it's fair to say, you know, that Wayne Rooney's side would be in a pretty healthy position. So I think the league table is is false as far as Derby County go. I think the league table is also false as far as Sheffield United go because they've just got so many games in, in hand on uh, on some of the teams above them. So, you know, as I've said before, what, what the championship means at the moment beyond the top three positions, I'm, I'm not quite too sure. But that's purely down to uh, the fault of the of the English Football League and some of these teams who have been, uh, let's be honest, taking advantage of the situation, the uh, the COVID nineteen wave, uh, to uh, to make sure that they're in a better position to play certain games than uh, ordinarily might be the case. But enough of that. I won't go on about that. But yes, of course, of course, Sheffield United can win. They did need that game last week, though. They did need that game last week. The The only thing that really concerns me going forward now isn't the fact that Sheffield United can't win games. They clearly can. They've been doing that on a pretty regular basis uh, recently. Uh, but what does worry me is that when you look at the table, it's, it's so skewed now. And because Sheffield United are far so behind on their schedule, I think that just totally changes the atmosphere going into some of these games because it's almost like now we must win. I mean, listen, everybody knows they've got to win to force themselves into the into the top six. But there's almost a pressure on them now uh, through no fault of their own, and I'll stress that again, to claw these points back. I do think the whole sort of mood around the games is has changed because they they are playing catch up, so they'll they'll have to deal with that as well. I'm I'm 
I, I take your point there, and I'm wondering if that if the that kind of feeling and that atmosphere is is mostly around because I actually think that the Sheffield United team is probably better suited when they're chasing rather than than being you know up around the top trying to trying to maintain a maintain a place in that position. So I think while while the noise from maybe from us and maybe from from some fans who are a wee bit spooked by the by the poor start that they've had to this season. I think within within the bubble of of Sheffield United as a as a team and a coaching staff, I think they might feel that well certainly I in my opinion anyway, that look they they might see that well while we've got something to aim at here and and, pu- and push up that, that might fall in their favour rather than I think sometimes they've been they've been in in really good positions high up the table and they, they tend to drop off because it's a, a, a you often find it's a little bit harder to hold on to hold on to something like that than it is to actually chase up and and we remember um when they got promoted from the championship the last time it was a it was a really good run from not not way far back but they they climbed the table as as they went on that run so it might not necessarily be a bad thing Question from Alan Lane. Uh, we are live on Facebook and Twitter, by the way. So if you've got any questions and you're watching on Facebook, get them in. James, you want to take this one? Have we got a sell-on clause for John Lundstrom if Rangers sell him to Middlesbrough? Uh, no. He, uh, he, he, he was a free agent when he uh, when he went. Fair enough. <laughs> that was over pretty quickly. Um, just on a side note, um, Lise Mousse, I was going to ask you about transfers, and, and I know he was mentioned yes or on Wednesday in our podcast. Um, I've written down unprofessional and embarrassing. Chris, you might be a bit more straight up than James on this. Is that a fair assessment? Um, I think immature is possibly the best way of describing them, if I'm being diplomatic. Um, I, we, we, we've spoke at length about Lise Mousset since he's, since he's joined the club. And what we say hasn't really changed there is a very good footballer in there struggling to get out of a child who feels he'd be better placed sitting on his backside eating sweets and drinking fizzy pop and watching god knows what on netflix i i, I think he just needs to grow up that that's that's my opinion i i think there has to come a point and you know sporadically last season i remember various columns from james and from danny as well that you know this every time we had this kind of burst as he as he as often had and we, we've already had it this season when he's you know when he, he he had a little bit of a a little bit of a run before getting injured again where you just think right that's it now's your chance at least let's show us what you can really do and show that you've grown up and then he just picks up some niggly injury and it's very clear that those niggly injuries or because he's not looking after himself and they're taking longer for him to heal because he isn't looking after himself. Because, as the rumours suggest, he, he doesn't eat properly. He doesn't really particularly train very well. I mean, I know we've seen a video of him churning up his lovely lawn on his garden this week that's gone out on, on social media. But I, that, that doesn't mean a thing, really. I mean, I could go out to my garden and... Do a few sit-ups now and get the neighbour to hold my legs. And <laughs> the fact of the matter is, I'm still overweight and I'm still not going to be able to play football tomorrow. You know, it's just 
it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. I think but, Lise was probably trying to make a point there, um, and I, it, it's it's it is it too little too late. I don't know. I think it I think it might well be. I kind of get the impression that um, uh, they they wish to wash their hands of him at the minute, unless of course he comes back and scores a bucket load, and you know then we'll see. But and. Uh, it, it's got to the point now where you almost forget that he's there because he's he's not there often enough or available. I think all you got to do, Steve, is add bloody frustrating to that list as well that you you made up there. He he shouldn't be. Listen, the point is as well as Chris quite rightly said, he shouldn't be needing a personal trainer at this stage of the season. He should. No footballer should, should need a personal no, trainer. Absolutely, the, the footballers are awash with the facilities that. You know, any any professional athlete would would love to have available to them for free. It's just there for them. And the the the, the very fact that he's had to do that should, with him, that, that that should be the light bulb moment. That that should be the point that Lee thinks. What am I doing? It won't be though. And I've said before, I really like him as a as a guy, but he's letting himself and he's letting the football club down really really badly. I think the only problem is that you've got this. This is a wider problem in football now because of the the talents that Lisa's got, albeit you know that we haven't seen them for for months. We all know he'll get a chance. We all know there'll be somebody somewhere that will think I'm the, I'm the manager who will be able to get Lisa Mousse on track. I'll be able to get the best out of him. I know what to do. I know what to say. And as Chris said, he's a really talented player. So he will get an opportunity. He'll continue to be paid really, really handsomely uh, for what he's doing. But th this is the problem in football. If you've got certain gifts now, which Lisa's certainly got, there's never any comeback. There, there, there is never any comeback. There'll always be somebody willing to make an excuse. There'll always be, always be somebody willing to make to give you a chance. You would hope at the end of his career, when Lisa probably... Looks, but listen. The way it's heading, he'll probably get a decent move on the back of this. He might get another one on that, but the way it's heading, he'll finish his career in the French lower divisions. And you, you would like to think, you hope that's not going to be the case, but you would like to think that if that does happen, there'll come a point when Lisa will sit down and think, "What have I done with my talents here? What have I done with the type of gifts that most of the players I'm actually playing with at the moment would love to have?" Probably won't because what he'll do is he'll just look at his bank balance. James, I'll come straight back to you. Elaine Bray, um, is it true that Jags has left Derby? Any ideas on that one? Uh, well, his contract's up shortly, isn't it? But as the the last I heard, the last we heard, Chris, wasn't it? Is that they they were trying to tie him down to a to a new deal? And actually, news just broke before we came on there that um, uh, they've cancelled his contract so uh, he he won't be playing tomorrow from what i can say i just very briefly caught that before we before we come on so um yeah apologies that that is just literally just broken before we come on so we'll we'll have a look into that um a bit later when we come off as well but he's he's from what i can gather i think the administrators have have cancelled the contract um so yeah, we'll we'll look at that. But as from what I can gather, um, and what actually is quite a boost for Sheffield United, albeit not for Jags or Derby County, um, he won't be playing tomorrow. Yeah, James, he's done all right, at Derby. Would would you take him back to the end of the season at Bramall Lane? 
they could do with a centre half at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I would take him right now. Listen, yeah, of, of, of course I would. Uh, and I think it was a shame that he left because I think a player with his experience and his uh, his calibre and also with his connections to the football club, I don't think someone like that should have just been able to sort of walk out the door at the at the end of the season. I think that was that that was a mistake on Sheffield United's part. I've, I've written about this before. I'd love to see some sort of I don't mean jobs for the boys, but some sort of type of like Bayern Munich type brains trust built up at at Bramall Lane. Uh, so I think it's a shame that Jags left, but I mean, in terms of playing, uh, it could be a short-term solution, uh, but long-term, they've they've got to bring uh, a, a centre half at the uh, just approaching the peak years of their career into the football club. We all know who, who, who the one that, that Paul Heckingbottom wants is, and that's uh, that's John Souter, of course. I think I think it would be good if they did. From purely from a from a talent and a, and a and an ability perspective, but given the talk that's been coming from the club since Paul Heckenbottom took took over, um, I think it would probably send out the wrong message if they were to bring back a a near forty year old to the club when they're talking about you know putting so much emphasis on youth and and that kind of thing. And, and Paul indeed said yesterday that um, he mentioned the age profile of the of what he wants to, wants to build there. So it. it it would be a really good short-term fix, I think. Um, but, uh, like I say, I think it would send out the wrong message. James, just while we're on transfers, uh, any further updates? I know John Suit is a name that's been mentioned. There's been a few outgoings touted as well. Well, it, I, I think the thing that has really struck me whenever Paul has, has spoken about John Suter is, is, is how open he's, he's been about him. Uh, you know, in the past, like a lot of managers, Paul's often quite reluctant to go into too much detail about sort of, you know, targets and uh, and why he's after them. But he's spoken quite openly about John, certainly more openly than I've, I've heard him talk about players in the past. And I think that's really interesting because I think he's almost speaking to, to three audiences when he does that. He's obviously speaking to the, the player and his representatives. He's obviously speaking to us who sort of ask the questions and, and therefore the, the Sheffield United fans as well who sort of read the answers. But I think as well, he's also making a point to his board uh, that I want to get this deal across the line. The longer it goes on as well, the, 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 more, the more time these negotiations take. I think the worrying thing for me is the more Rangers seem to be growing in confidence that they can uh, they can actually take the player to Ibrox. Listen, Hearts have spoken about trying to keep John until the end of the season, which is you know Rangers want would would rather sign him now. Sheffield United certainly want to sign him now, as do Blackburn Rovers, who are also interested in his in his signature. But I think it's fair to say, listen, Hearts know that he's not going to be signing a new deal there. They would probably. Rather, I think it's fair to say, sell him now. Although there will be, uh, there will be, there are disadvantages to that on the pitch because obviously they're chasing a place in Europe. Rangers will get a place in Europe. That's what they believe, as well as a steady supply of medals, will be able to attract John to uh, to Ibrox. But yeah, I think that's that's the thing that's come out of this for me is just how how open Paul has uh, Paul has been about why he's interested in John and and why he wants to bring him to the to the football club. 
feels like there's some parallels with uh, Slavisa Jukanovic there. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you're wrong in uh, in saying that, to be honest. I mean, he he made a remark yesterday and he, he, he wasn't talking explicitly about John Souter, but it was in response to a question that I'd asked about John. And he said, you know, we don't want to do too many loans because, you know, he said there is a, there is a, 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 a use for loans and you can sort of, you know, and, and should write those into your sort of recruitment strategy. But he said, we don't want to do too many because we end up putting work into developing a player that eventually, you know, and ultimately we don't reap the benefits of. And I thought it was quite interesting to hear him say that because, of course, Slavisa Jukanovic was limited to loans and one free transfer. Yeah. Just uh, back to Derby, uh, Rian Brewster's back this weekend or back in contention. Chris, given that he's probably the only real forward in form, does he start? Um, no, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, I mean, I don't know. Paul Heckenborn will know, well, certainly Strick McCall and Jack Lester will know how fit he is and whether he's whether he's able to able to start. I would maybe give, I would maybe bring him off the bench on Saturday and and see how things go. And then um, if if all goes well, maybe bring him in the for, for on Tuesday night. Maybe maybe this week might might come a little bit too early for him, but I I don't know. Um, he did score for the under twenty threes and on. Tuesday, I think it was. Um, so he, I think that he, he played an hour of that match. Yeah, maybe it maybe he is fit. Maybe, um, but my my thinking would be given that uh, Billy and David McGoldrick played the majority of last Saturday's match, and going back to what I said earlier, <coughs> excuse me, last Sunday, um, going back to what I said earlier about shaking off a bit of ring rust last week. I'd probably stick with those two for this for this game from the start at least, uh, with a view of probably bringing Rian on, maybe maybe give him a good twenty minutes or so. Just before we wrap up, question from Christopher Barton: Why all this messing about with the QPR game, James? I think you might be able to shed some light on this one. Yeah, uh, I think there's been a suggestion that it could be selected. It, listen, it was initially meant to be on television this game. And I think if Sky wanted it once, there's there's a distinct possibility that they might they might want it again. Of course, we'll be back to uh, Premier League football on a Monday night uh, when uh, when the match finally gets round to being played. So I'm sure, seeing as TV decides absolutely everything that happens in football these days, uh, I'm sure that will be a consideration. As to the rest, I wouldn't possibly like to uh, comment, but I'm pretty certain that the match could take place when the African Cup of Nations has finished. Okay. Well, let's leave it there for today. Thankfully, there should be a lot more football to talk about the next time we return. We'll see you soon.